Welcome to Three Song Stories. We tap into our guests' life stories through the lens of the songs that were there when their memories were being born. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest this week is Kid Quest and or John McCullers. John is a sixth-generation Asteroin. That's right, his family goes back six generations in Astero. He's founder and member of Deadlink Click, or DLC. It's an art collective started in the 239 area code. The cool people just call it the 239, but is now based all over the United States. He's also the booking and event manager for Trackout Studios, a local recording studio that's owned by DLC member OG Baby. KidQuest's bio says he's been in love with music as a listener as far back as he has memories and that he began making music himself in 2011 just for fun, but by 2015 he was taking it seriously as something he'd like to do for the rest of his life. He writes all his own lyrics, raps, and produces music, as well as dabbling in acting. He's performed in New Jersey, California, and Texas for South by Southwest and all over Florida, including the second-ever Rolling Loud Hip Hop Festival. John also puts on events and has organized more than 50 local shows across the 239, so is super active in the local hip-hop scene. Good morning, Mr. Quest. Good morning, Mr. Canary. Or should I just call you John? You can call me whatever you want. Okay, I'll just call you John. <laughs> um, you know, when when we had your dad on the show, I started off by going, man, you're fifth generation Astero. Yeah. That's crazy. You're sixth, sixth generation I Astero. Up there. <laughs> um, we don't need to go too far down that road, but, you know, when you were growing up, were you aware of that? Did you understand? Oh, yeah. Like, was um, that part of the fabric of your childhood? A little bit. I mean, I guess I probably didn't really understand how rare that was you know i understood that was you know a thing in our family um but you know we had family reunions and stuff and i remember this one reunion where i didn't know basically anybody but i was like a little celebrity to them you know so like (laughs) so that's kind of when i was like oh you know maybe maybe this is weird um that you know our family's been here so long um, but yeah, they were like, oh, that's, that's John. He's the sixth generation. The sixth. Oh my, yeah. you know, and it's, I was like, well, around here in Florida, you know, third generation is like, wow, you go way sure. back. So you guys go way back. Absolutely. Um, so sixth generation Astero in, uh, how would you describe the musical background of your childhood growing up? Something tells me there was some music involved. Lots of music involved. Um, very musical household. Um, honestly, some of my earliest memories period are around music or music in the house, music in the car. Um, my parents both love music. My mom plays basically every instrument under the sun. Um, and yeah, um, lots of, um, lots of, lots of Bob Marley, lots of classic rock, lots of, um, my mother loved Kate Bush. Um, so lots of, lots of variety, I would say. What about songs from musical theater? Oh yeah, you know that was a thing. That was a thing. My Seems parents. Like there was probably some Jesus Christ superstar rocking out somewhere. My in your parents childhood. were both involved in theater. I was also involved in theater as a kid. Um, musical theater never really spoke to me as much. Uh-huh. Um, I do love acting. I do love theater. I even love musical theater. But um, yeah, not 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 too much musical theater to note. 
What was the uh, first you know, like band or style of music that you started to latch onto as a kid? Was there anything that stuck out, or was it just all a big fabric for the longest time? Um, Bob Marley and the Wailers really was was some of the first music I remember requesting my dad to put on. Hmm. Um, yeah. What, yeah. About, what about musical instruments? Musical instruments. So I was never. I still can't play any instruments. Um, I know a little bit of piano. I know how to get around it, um, but I wouldn't say I know how to play it. Um, I tried a little bit of piano when I was a kid, and my parents told me if I don't get lessons, I can't try on the piano anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you had a piano in the house? <laughs> yeah, we had a piano in the house that I like to goof around on, but they got sick of the horrible noises after a while. In middle school, I picked up guitar for a little bit, but it didn't. I didn't really stick with it, um, and yeah. So no, not 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 very instrumental. You have an older sister. I do. Yeah. Uh, what about her? I know she, she makes music too. Yes. So was she more instrumentally inclined? Did she, uh, uh, you know, agree she, to the piano lessons? She did agree <laughs> to the piano lessons. She actually committed. Um, it was funny too because I ended up being having having to go to the piano lessons still. So I had to still be there, but just not take the lessons. You were just too stubborn to accept your fate. Um, Exactly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, she, she, since a kid, was always singing and dancing, and she was in choir and chorus as early as I can remember. And yeah, she learned how to play piano. She, she also knows mandolin. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did she, um, you know, come home with any music that she exposed you to that was outside of what the folks would have been talk- talking about definitely, listening to? Definitely, definitely, because she was my older sister, so, you know, what she was into was cool, uh-huh. you know? What would that have It was been? like the older kids. So she was into, she definitely introduced me to a lot of hip-hop. I would say that's that's kind of what spearheaded it for me was her showing me, you know, Outkast and early Kanye and stuff like that, but she was also listening to a lot of a lot of emo stuff, a lot of rock at that time Story of the Year, Blink-182, um Good Charlotte, Fallout Boy, that kind of stuff. So, were your folks cool with that kind of music? Oh yeah, yeah. Seems yeah. like they'd be they've, okay with anything. They've always been very open-minded when it comes to art, and I think that was a great benefit as a kid getting into art. Yeah. They they basically never put up any you know roadblocks or anything or. Didn't say no. You can't listen to that or can't watch that. So yeah, and I'm the same way. My daughter's now a freshman in uh, college in Philly doing musical theater. Awesome. And I'm like, that's the best. You know, especially right now with the way the world's changing with technology and stuff. I'm like, do something creative where you have to be, you know, be good at expressing yourself. Mm -hmm. Maybe the only thing that's protected in ten years. Yeah. Um, Okay. So you ready to do your first song? Let's do it. Uh, This is you've already alluded to uh, Bob Marley. Mm-hmm. So uh, you want to tell a story? You want to listen? Um, we can listen. Okay, I love it. Um, this is Kid Quest or John McCullers' first song on this week's episode of Three Song Stories. This is War by Bob Marley, released in 1976 on his album Rastaman Vibration. And that song's serious business. It's so good. I love that it song. Uh, what's the story? So, really, that song. 
It it was a little bit. There was like two or three Bob Marley songs I was thinking about because um, really it was it was a lot of his music. Uh, as a kid, um, you know, uh, I grew up uh, with you know cassettes and CDs was the earliest music, and my dad had a cassette of Bob Marley that I would take with me to my grandparents, and War was on there. And then in the car and in the house, we had like a four CD greatest hits collection. So. You know, I just always love to listen to all of it. Um, and But War specifically because I remember asking my dad a lot of questions about Bob Marley music. You know, just being young and curious. And he was talking about a lot of things I'd never heard of. And uh, I just think War was such a important song for a kid to hear. Um, and I think it's part of the magic of Bob Marley and the Whalers music is a lot of the songs are about very heavy topics and they've worded it in such a simple way. I mean, Bob Marley's even said in his interviews that he wants babies to be able to understand what he's saying. And, uh, and I just, I think that also kind of set the tone for me getting into hip hop so early because war specifically is almost spoken Mm -hmm. at certain points, you know, it's, it's, and, um, and, and just, it's, it's, rebellious music it's music about oppression but you can still dance to it Hmm. and i think that's very interesting and i think that's kind of the basis for a lot of hip-hop um so so war just it it it's a song that i love to listen to i think it sounds great It, it gives me good memories but at the same time you know it makes me think about a lot of a lot of things wrong in the world um and i think that's that's one of the most powerful things music can ever do. Do you think being exposed to that kind of music, uh, Bob Marley music, that song in particular, um, helped inform who you are as a person? Because that's the Um, kind of thing that I don't think I ever really listened to Bob Marley until I was maybe in high school and probably not even till then. Right. Um, And because of the themes and because of the the seriousness, like I said, that would really put something in a little kid's brain if they were um, exposed to it openly, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And and just asking my dad about it and learning about Rastafari and learning about uh, all the whalers and, and just, just learning about a different culture, I think was uh, really important as a young suburban white kid growing up in America. Especially um, a fourth-generation Floridian. Right, right. You know? yeah, I mean, it'd be so easy to just only care about Florida. A lot of people would assume that somebody who was an old Florida cracker was not <laughs> growing up listening to war. Right. Not to call you an old Florida cracker, no, but, sure. but, you, know, but absolutely. you know what I mean. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's funny because also growing up, I don't, you know, obviously, you know, your parents teach you right from wrong, but I don't vividly remember too many conversations about race or racism but i always knew you know that you know race didn't really matter i mean culture matters but and that racism is bad but i think it was a lot of the music that instilled that in me you know we didn't have to really talk about it too much because the message was there in the art because that's just the way it's supposed to be right and that's just how it's supposed to be right yeah hmm. um when you were in high school were you making music yet High school is, yeah, that's when I started making music. Um, how did that begin? What's like the origin story of, of you coming across, I'm going to make music myself? Right. So um, so really, 
I'd always been in love with music. Um, middle school is when I really went deep into hip hop, just as a listener. Um, and some of my, a lot of my friends knew that. I I didn't make it a secret. Um, you know, I talked their ears off about, you know, hip hop they'd never heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, then in high school, some of my friends were starting to rap, and. They basically told me I have to rap with them. And at first, I was very reluctant. I was like, no, no, no. I'm Were you shy? I, I don't know if I'd say I was shy because I'd already been doing theater. So, you know, performance and, and expressing myself wasn't completely foreign. But honestly, at that time, I didn't feel like I had a rapper's story or I'd never really seen a rapper from my background. Um, so it just it just didn't. You were reluctant. Yeah, I was, I was Not reluctant. Shy. Yeah, yeah. I was reluctant. Um, but you know, we started doing it kind of just for fun. And and the thing, basically, how they got me on it is they're like, dude, you talk about hip hop all day, every day. You need to you need to just do this. And honestly, after a certain point, you know, they they won me over, and I was like, yeah, you're right, you're right. I I I would. And it's funny looking back that for so many years. I wasn't interested in rapping, but what I would do every day after school was pull up people's lyrics and learn them front to back and just spend hours just rapping, never thinking that I would be a rapper, but that's what I would spend my time doing. Um, and then after we started doing it in high school, I just kind of just fell in love with it. It, it I wasn't reluctant anymore after yeah. like my first time recording. I just wanted to keep doing it. Were your friends Jeffrey and Herbie? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> How did you do that one? Hey man, Google's a powerful yeah, tool. Wow. If you spend a few minutes. That is that is I found a story when you were like still in high school, somebody wrote a story that you were in, or maybe right out of high school. Wow. And, and it mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those were two of the two of the friends. Yep, yep. That's fascinating. Were you um, were you doing theater still in high school, or was that more of a middle school thing? Um, so actually, um, middle school, middle school, I didn't do any acting. I actually did like summer camps and stuff like that when I was in elementary, and then it was high school when I got into drama at Cypress Lake, and that's when I started acting again. Were you in the center? Was the I was center, in the center? Yeah, you were a center yeah, kid. Yeah, I was a center kid. Awesome. Yep. Yep. Um, how long before uh, the fact that you were starting to make your own music? became something that people beyond your close friends mm. knew. You know, did you keep it tight at first? I did. I did keep it kind of tight at first. Um, what I will say, it's kind of funny because it, it changed so quickly because now you can pretty much throw a rock and find a local rapper. But at the time, it was so rare that the fact that I was even doing it, you know, it seemed special to people. So, so pretty quickly in school... That's the other thing. When you're in school, you know, people people talk. Yeah. Um, so, you know, people people found out pretty quick. Um, so, yeah. Were you doing theater, um, musical theater in high school, or were you doing just straight plays? Um, you already kind of alluded to not being too, too, too into. Yeah, so um, I was in Bye Bye Birdie as an extra. That was maybe the only musical I was actually in while I was in the center. The rest were straight plays that I got casted in. Um, so, yeah, so n- not, not, not too much singing in theater. Um, I'm, 
not the best singer. Definitely wasn't back then either. Uh, how aware were you of your father's deep roots with the theater program at Cyprus? Um, honestly, at the time, I wasn't that familiar. Like, I knew, right? Yeah. But I didn't really know the scope of it. Yeah. Um, I didn't really know that he was kind of involved in kind of spearheading it a little bit. Yeah. That, yeah. that he's, he's almost humble to a fault. <laughs> you know, if I had, to, if, if I would have said almost the same thing if yeah. you didn't beat me to it. And you know him way better than I do, so I guess I have a good reading yeah. on it. Huh, that's so funny. Because, yeah, just for listeners, you know, when I was in high school back in the 80s, uh, the Cypress Lake Theater Program was really blowing up at the time, and he was back then part of all that. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, mm-hmm. um, when you were in high school, did you have um, like a career plan or a job you wanted to have, or were you already like, I'm going to make music and that's what I'm going to do, or were you still straddling more lines? Um, it probably wasn't until the very end, like probably my senior year of high school when everyone's when you basically have to decide, okay, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. And that's when I decided the only thing that I've cared about these last three years of high school was music. So I guess that's what I'm going to do. So that was, that was kind of, and that's kind of when I, cause early on it was kind of just a fun thing I did with friends, but then towards the end of high school, I was like, you know, this is something I should take more serious. And, and that's, that's when I, it was pretty much 2014. That was my senior year. That's when I, that's when I decided to, Start taking it more serious, and it's what I wanted to really do with my life. Did you go to college? I did not. Did not? Did not go to college. When did you write your first song and put it into a recording device? I was, I think I was 15, and this was 2010. Okay. And this was my freshman year of high school, and I was over at Jeffrey's house. We had got a microphone, and we recorded it in his living room. Into what? Like into a computer? Yeah, into a laptop. Into well, a actually, laptop. I think it was a desktop. Okay. I think it was still a desktop. <laughs> um, it was his family computer. His dad was folding clothes, watching us record. I remember that vividly. Um, Evidence of that exists somewhere on a hard drive? You know, I don't even know if we had cell phones at that time, so we weren't, yeah. I don't think we filmed it. Um, but what about yeah. the recording? The recording probably does exist somewhere it's not i tried my best to scrub it from the internet but it's probably <laughs> on a hard drive or something somewhere hmm. yeah uh do you know what that first song was that you recorded or it that you was, wrote it was over uh someone else's beat that was a that was a popular thing to do around that time especially for kids that didn't know how to find a producer or original production you just find an instrumental online and use it and it was a song called so appalled and uh what was it and about? It, it it was pure nonsense. It <laughs> so was appalled? It, so appalled. So appalled. It okay. was um me and Jeffrey did it. Um it was both of us on the song. And what I can say about it is it was one of the first raps I ever wrote. Um and it was basically about nothing. It was just it was like, ooh, I can rhyme words. Who was inspiring you at that point in your in your mm, life? So Outcast was always a big uh, influence on me. Really, a lot of Southern rap. Um, funny enough, not sure if you know who this is, but especially at that time, Yellow Wolf was a big influence on me because he was a he was from Alabama. He was a long-haired white guy, and but he loved hip hop. 
And so that was one of the first artists I saw where I was like, okay, you know what? I don't have to be it from Compton or New York. Reluctance, right? Away. You know, yeah. I can be, you know, a kid from the South with long hair that loves rock and roll, but also really loves hip hop, and that's how I want to express myself. So he he was a big influence. Um, kid Cudi. Um, I'm, I'm trying to take myself back to then. Um, probably some early Kendrick already um so yeah was there anybody making music locally that you looked up to or was the scene mm. so undeveloped at that so point? It, it was pretty undeveloped or at least i wasn't that involved um you know plies had already kind of blown up and done his thing so that was i guess a little bit of inspiration that someone from fort myers could make it um there was another kid he was a little older than me his name was michael shelley and he was another kind of local celebrity at the time because, you know, he was putting out music and it was a, a big deal at that time. And he, I remember he even had his stuff on iTunes and stuff. You know, he was a big deal, especially at South, which I also went to South for a little bit. Um, there's also another local artist. One of the, the first local rap show I ever went to was about 2011. So not long after I'd been beginning to record and uh, an artist named Andre de Saint. That's maybe a good person to get for the show too. Um, he's I think a local I've heard artist. That name yeah, he's before. P- pretty prominent local artist, and that was the first local show I ever saw, and that was that was pretty big and pretty eye opening too because I I had never seen a local hip hop show in Fort Myers before. So, and that I think that also kind of inspired me a bit to be like, oh, you can you can perform too. You can't you, you don't have to just record in your bedroom. You can mm-hmm. also take it out and show people, which you've now done many times. Sure. Um, what was the first song that you produced and put out into the world that's still out in the world? Good question. Probably, probably Momentum Shift. This was released uh, in 2014. Uh, I had a very big especially at the time, artist from Miami, big on the underground scale. His name was Nell, um, and uh, he was on it. That was a really big deal at the time, um, and I'm still pretty proud of that song. I mean, I don't perform it anymore just because I'm talking about being in high school in the lyrics, and even a couple years ago, someone had asked me if I would perform it, and I was like, oh, sure, and then when I went to rehearse it, I was like, I don't want to. You can recraft it. I, yeah, make maybe a, make a two point yeah, version. I've thought about that, but <laughs> um, but you know, it's still, it's still nice to hear, you know, some of, you know, the older me. Uh, but yeah. it's just I don't necessarily always want that to represent me now. Um, so YouTube was starting to come around mm-hmm. at that time, but it was still kind of the early days of YouTube mm-hmm. when it hadn't turned into what it is now. Right? Uh, did you get into that world? Were you putting videos? Oh up man. Early on? Um, even before I wanted to make music, I wanted to be a little YouTuber, and I was. I had a bunch of YouTube videos, Doing what? skits. Oh, man, I... So totally not hip-hop rap. Just... Well, okay, so it was funny. So I, I would, uh, on Windows Movie Maker, I would, I would uh, <laughs> you know, make little music videos, or, you know, Google Images, you know, and put transitions and stuff of songs I liked. Um, but I would also do skits. Um, I remember one of, one of my, one of the series that, you know, kids at school liked is I, w- I would uh, do like stop motion stuff with Sour Patch Kids. Oh, wow. And and I would act out little, How you know, you skits with the Sour Patch. How were you doing the stop motion? Were using like a digital camera? I had a webcam. Frames? I got a, like a webcam, like a $20 webcam for Christmas, you know, and I was just using that. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
That's so. fascinating. Um, okay, so um, we'll get to the music that you've produced and that you've made and the shows that you've done because you've done tons of them. Mm-hmm. But do, let's do your second song. Sure. Now, which is the Outcast song. Yes, Roses by Outcast. So this is... Um, my sister had showed me this song. She she showed it to the whole family when the whole family would gather around the family computer. Um, and if I remember correctly, this was before YouTube when she was showing us this video. It was maybe on MTV.com or just another website. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I just remember just the song and the music video itself was so cinematic. and And it was just such a fun new feeling that I hadn't really got from a lot of other music. And I just remember asking her, who's this? She said, Outcast. And then I made sure the next time I was in Barnes & Noble with a gift card, I bought that Outcast CD. And that was the first CD I ever, you know, bought myself. Um, And I still love that album to this day, which, you know, there were some CDs I had as a kid that I can't say that about. Yeah. Um, So Outcast is very special to me because it was... The first hip-hop I got into, and it's still to this day some of my favorite. Um, And, you know, I I always thank my sister for it, Um, you know, because that really it kind of, especially looking back, changed the trajectory of my life. So, Huh. You still have that CD? Yes. I do. Do you ever put it into a device that plays CDs? It doesn't. It doesn't work anymore. <laughs> the, the device. The, the, no, the the discs. Oh, the but, discs, but I still have it. Yeah, I still have it. Because it's important. Yeah. Uh, paint a little picture. You guys sitting around. You said the living room. Um. It, yes. It, yeah. It was. It was the living room. It was the living room. Family computer. It was probably dial up. It probably took ten minutes to buffer before it loaded up. You know. Um, and, and yeah, I just, I just remember, I remember the whole family really being impressed hmm. and, uh, and you know, that was a fun thing we did for a while where me or my sister would discover a song and everyone had to come experience it with us. So love it. Yeah. Let's listen to this. Thinking of that, this is uh, roses by outcast from their 2003 double album speaker box, the love below it's kid quest and, or John McCullough's second song here on three song stories. Your folks were open-minded. <laughs> they were. They really were. Um, you know, it's funny. I even remember um, there was a there was a rapper named Rich Boy, and uh, uh, I, I was listening to his music probably way too young, and I had his CD and I burned it for a camp counselor at a summer camp, one of the theater summer camps when I was in like fourth grade, fifth grade, and. Because she had told me she she liked him, and I was like, "Oh, I've got a CD. I'll burn it for you." And then after she listened to it, she had a talk with my parents. She's like, "Do you know what he's listening to?" And my dad was like, "Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We love it all. It's it's you know he. My dad like like to make people kind of feel a little silly when they would uh you know complain about that kind of stuff. I remember too a little bit off topic, but like when when he would have to." come into GameStop with me to buy a rated M video game, right. you know, they'd, they'd have to go down the list of there's violence or sex. And he's like, that's it. And he's like, you could do better. You could do, you can, we can, we can do more than that. I could see um, it. So, you know, he, he liked to have fun with that kind of stuff. That's fantastic. Um, roses smell like what? What's he saying? There? Poop, poop, poop. Okay. That's yes. what I thought. I just want to make sure I wasn't mishearing the lyrics. Yeah. I, I was telling you when the mics were off too, that I, I really think the humor of that song is what spoke to me so much as a young kid too, um, and it, it, it's so musical. 
but then they're having so much fun with the lyrics. It's just, it's, it's a very fun song. You ever seen Outcast? I have thankfully seen Outcast. It was very rare. It was on their reunion tour 2014. I saw them in Tampa and it was a pretty, pretty surreal experience for me. Hmm. Um, yeah. Um, when was your first show? When, when did you first get up and put on a show? And do you remember, you know, were you nervous? Were you excited? Where was it? How big was the crowd? Um, so my very first ever musical performance was at Kelly Fields. It's in Harlem Heights in Fort Myers. Um, it was on top of a picnic table. Um, we had a DJ. We had a small speaker system, um, dinky wired mics, um, and I remember being super nervous. I remember I, I walked away from the pavilion that we were performing in, and uh, I was just like pacing, pacing back How and old forth. Were you? I was fifteen. Okay, and, so and right I, away, and, and I, I was pacing back and forth, and and trying to remember my lyrics, and and then Jeffrey was like, "All right, dude." You're ready. You got, it. and I was like, no, no, I'm not. He's like, you're ready. You're ready. And then went up, did a great job, um, and I think I think that uh, gave me a lot of confidence going forward. Had good reception. The crowd was probably only twenty, twenty five yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, small group of kids. Where'd the name Kid Quest come from? That's interesting. So, I I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it hard. It wasn't even my first rap name, um, but it was. What was your first rap name? It's so lazy, but it was moniker. Moniker. Yeah, I was okay. just gonna go with moniker. No, I like um, it. There's kind of meta in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then I was like, no, that I can do better. Um, and really, I was just looking at, I was looking at certain people's names. Snoop Dogg was was a, a specific one. I think that's why I did the double D, the same way he did the double G. It's just looking at how it was spelled. I was like, this looks good. Hmm. Um, and I wanted a name that looked good or that could have a good logo. And then also I mentioned earlier that Kid Cudi was a big influence on me at the time. So that's kind of where I got the kid from. And then A Tribe Called Quest was another big influence on me at the time. So I kind of wanted to keep the quest going. And then, But then I knew pretty quickly I wanted it to be an alliteration. I didn't want it to be quest with a Q. So And especially at that time... It was. It, it at least felt very hip hop to misspell things, yeah, uh, or find your own spelling for them. Huh. You know, so huh. that that was kind of the, the idea behind Kid Quest. How would you? I know you know hip hop. The world of rap has all kinds of subgenres and mm-hmm. things. Like how? Where do you fit in, or do you straddle a bunch? And has it changed? Yeah, from then till now, it it's for sure changed. Um, I like to think I straddle a bunch of different uh, subgenres or lanes because really I love all of it. Um, I've I found that probably the best way to describe my music nowadays is either just underground or just Southern, just Southern hip hop or underground hip hop. Um, but yeah, you know, I do, I, I sing a little bit. Um, you know, I rap, I rap on all different kinds of styles of beats, um, different flows. You know, I, I like to do different things. Um, I think sometimes it's a detriment because people want um, familiarity or they want, you know, like for Bob Marley, for instance, you know what you're going to get with yeah. a Bob Marley song, you know, and, and that's a good thing. Um, 
But, you know, I just me as going into the studio, I don't like to do the same thing over and over. Um, I like to try different things. So do you um, you mentioned before when you were a kid, you get a hold of somebody's beat. Do you make beats? I do now. I do now. The last couple of years that I've been at Trackout Studios, I started making beats. But before that, I would just have to find people on the Internet or, um, yeah, or or maybe find people in person. That was more rare, but it happened. Um, but, yeah. When you're making beats and stuff, so I've played around with, like, DAC pads and things like that. So mm-hmm. what do you use to make it just for my nerdiness and curiosity? So I'm using Ableton, the, the computer program, and I've got a big, full MIDI keyboard in front of me and... That's that's all I use. I don't I don't use like a drum machine or a drum pad or anything like that. I'd I'd like to at some point, but yeah, pretty much just the computer and the keyboard. I would love to play with that keyboard one day. So yeah. if you ever want to try that out, that'd be dope. For sure. Where's the studio? It's located in Island Park, okay. like South South Fort Myers area, basically a little bit north of Alico, um, right across the street from Skip One. What kind of music is being made in there for the most part? Predominantly hip hop. Um, but Billy Rose is a local band. Um, they might be another good one to have come in here. Um, they come and record and practice there a lot, you know, so we do have bands. Um, we have singers, R&B, pop, um, but yeah, mostly hip hop. Has it been nice? I mean, do you have sort of free access to the microphones if it's not being used for other things or? Yes. Um, it, it, it is nice. But it's it's interesting because once we got the studio, um, you know, people just assumed we would make music all the time. But right. you know, we gotta, you gotta pay, pay the, the rent and yeah. we gotta keep the lights on. So, we, but we do definitely get in when we can get in. Um, but sometimes that's a little more difficult than we'd like. But that's a good problem. That's to have. a good problem. It's a good to problem have. to have. Yeah, it's um, one of the nice things about having worked here for twenty years is if I need it, I've got access to microphones whenever absolutely. I want. I don't make music, but right. you know, I guess theoretically I could. Um, what is Dead Link Click? So that is an art collective that I started in twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen. Actually, is when we started. Um, that consists of me. OG Baby, that's the owner of Trackout Studios. DJ Dre, who's with Curate now. He's doing a bunch of DJing all over the city. Uh, Ainsley, she's out in L.A. She's a singer. We got Caston Spells, who's a DJ, who I'm doing a show with up in New York later this month. That's where he's at. So we're all over. We're all from Southwest Florida, but now we're all over the country. Um, Hot Tub Johnny's another member. Sorry, I didn't want to leave anybody out. Luke Warmdo. We got a lot of people. Um... But yeah, it's an art collective, and I call it an art collective instead of a rap group because not everyone's a rapper. Um, some people are DJs, some people just make art, some people are singers. And I really wanted from the beginning for everyone to be a solo act. You know, we do collaborate and we do help each other out, but I never wanted it to feel like someone was a sidekick or someone was, you know, not the lead singer. Um, if that makes sense, yeah. you know, cause that kind of happens with groups, you yeah. know, there's the one person you like and then the rest are cool, but you're really coming for, you know, um, so, so yeah, so that's, that's dead link click DLC for short. Oh, Tara was waving her hand as if she was going to talk. She's not waving her hand. <laughs> um, you put on shows. Yes. You reached out to us first. Uh, I don't even right. think you were trying to get on this show. You were just trying to shine light on the event you were yeah. putting on. And I was like, ooh, we need to have you on the show. But yeah. um, 
Sydney and Burn Davis Art Center was mm-hmm. the one. How did that go? What was the show all about? And so, how many of those kinds of things do you do? So I've been doing shows pretty much since high school. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've been putting on my own shows. Started with house parties and stuff. And then, you know, some of the bars. Um, Sydney and Burn was the that's the biggest show we put on. Um, Artisan Trash and Deadland Click put that on together. That was a collaboration. Artisan Trash is like a local clothing brand, and they also put on shows. Um, and yeah, that one that one took a lot of planning. That was the biggest turnout we've ever had. Four hundred tickets sold. Um, How many acts were through it? And were you one of them? Yeah, I was. I was one of the acts. Um, it was me. It was uh, Alex Fike. That's Dominic Fike's brother. Um, Terry Presume. Last minute. Uh, Four fifty four was the headliner. We brought him. He's actually in New York, but he's from Orlando originally. Um, who am I forgetting? Joseph Fields. Um, singer from Naples, um, Dodia, a band from Naples, and Mike Shields, uh, a local rapper here in Fort Myers. And you were so. right there just in their main atrium, you yep. know, with the, did they have a little stage up and yep, everything? Yep, yep, They built a stage. That's a cool place. And I love, Very cool place. Um, you know, I was back when it first started to become an art center, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, 20 years ago yeah. or so. Uh, I was there with Jim Griffith, the guy who yeah. runs it, you know, walking around and there were trees growing out of the building. And, right. And, they, you know, he painted this picture of what it was going to be someday. And it's been all these things. And I love that, you know, there's a hip-hop show yeah. in the old federal courthouse in downtown Fort Absolutely. Myers. Absolutely. I love Absolutely. it. We, we loved that too because, you know, that's another thing that I've noticed is, you know, they have the GCL art and poetry, and that's great. And lots of hip-hop acts get in on that. I've gotten in on that. Uh, just the last one I did. Is that the one on the roof? It is on the roof sometimes. Okay. It, they, they I fluctuate. heard it once. I was walking yeah. through downtown. I'm like, what is going on yeah. over there? Um, but that's that's really some of the only hip-hop shows that I've ever seen at Sydney Burns. So that was, that was, uh, that was big for us. Uh, how many other shows have you put up around town, if you had to guess? Um, so Dozens, I actually I actually scores. know roughly the number because I recently put together like a CV, like a little resume of like oh, all my curriculum vitae well, or whatever it's called. I, I, I had to really <laughs> make it look good for Sydney Byrne, mm-hmm, Sydney and Byrne, right? Mm-hmm. I had to, you know, let them know I'm not just some guy trying yeah. to do his first show there. Um, so I've done about 47 shows that I've I've put together. Um, I've performed it even more than that. Around in the here. 239, That's as in you this guys area. say? Yeah, in the 239. I love when I first saw that, it's however many years ago. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's our area code. Yeah. I get it. I'm such an old person. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you probably remember when that wasn't our area code. Yeah, it was 813 right. when right. I first moved down here. And, now that's and, then, and then uh And then it was 941, and then that got split off to Charlotte County, yep. and now it's 239. Yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> So that's crazy. So and you've played out of town. Uh, yeah. You played South by Southwest. Yep, in some South regard. By. Uh, explain, uh, you know, like what was South by? You know, that's South by was tons of fun. I was opening for this underground rapper named Chapo. And um, that was that was just tons of fun. We met a bunch of people out there that we're still friends with. Um, I met I met these artists from Oakland and then they ended up bringing me out to shows out there. Um, so. Yeah, really, really, that was a great time, and that was um, all of Deadlink Click came, um, and we didn't, we didn't, we'd done sets together before, but not always, because like I said, you know, we're mostly all solo artists, so that was really, really a big, uh, big moment, I think, for all of us. I remember there was someone who bought one of our t-shirts and asked for an autograph from each member, and, you know, that, that, that felt really cool, hmm. Um 
And yeah, it's just, it's always a great feeling to, I mean, it's a great feeling to perform and get reception period, but especially when it's not in your hometown or even your home state. Yeah. Um, that's just, it's really cool. Different kind of validation. Yeah. Um, I watched, uh, you were on a podcast, City of Palms podcast. Mm-hmm. I yeah. do research, man. Yeah, you do. You and, really do. I'm, and, I'm impressed. Um, it, I know the date jumped out at me because that was recorded or released anyway in February of 2020. Oh, man. And, and you even <laughs> talked about a show that Some you were upcoming hoping, show. <laughs> yeah, a show you were hoping to do on March 27th at Ollie's Pub. And, and as yep. we all know, like, you know, a couple weeks later, yep. everything shut down. You know, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but how did the pandemic era impact your work? And, you know, a lot of artists were pushed into a different place mm-hmm. because suddenly they were doing the online thing in a way they wouldn't have otherwise. Did any of that apply to absolutely. you? Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. I was even, um, I don't want to talk about it too much, especially because it ended up never happening, but we were planning a tour mm. that upcoming 2020 summer. So that was, that, that was, was the other thing that basically, you teased. Yeah, all of 2019 <laughs> was spent planning this big, big 2020, seeing everyone and shaking hands and kissing people and all that stuff that we couldn't do. So, um, but what it did help me do was just get back to just recording. Um, That's one thing, luckily, I was able to do. Um, And honestly, 2020 and, and 2021, I recorded a lot. Maybe that may have been when I recorded the most. Um, And, uh, and it just, it just, it definitely sucked. Um, man, I don't want to minimize it at all. But at the same time, it um, as an artist, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And just in in life, there's a lot of pressure. Lots of lots of things you got to be on top of and got to do. But it kind of, at least for me as an artist, it gave me time to just step back and just not worry so much about the time pressure and just think about what it is I wanted to do with my art. Hmm. So, um, since you've started making your own music, can you just reflect a little bit about how the technology has evolved since then? The yeah. tools that you're using and the distribution methods. Absolutely. You know, like, like, are you on TikTok and things like that? Uh, uh, I am. You know, I am. Or are you sort of on TikTok? Um, I don't. I'm not very TikTok savvy, but I'm I'm at least aware that I got to get my stuff out there. I try my best to keep my music as accessible as possible. You know, if there's a place where people are listening to music, I try to get it there. Um, but yeah, like I was saying earlier, you know, it was so impressive when I was in high school that someone was on iTunes, you know, and now iTunes isn't even a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, you know, I burned CDs, you know, that's not a thing anymore as much. People don't even have CD players. Um, but yeah, my first project, you know, burned a bunch of CDs of that, um, you know, early YouTube, you know, I remember putting out music before there was SoundCloud, um, and before Spotify, all that, um, it's, it's, it's definitely different now. It's definitely different now with all the streaming services, but, um, but in, in some ways I kind of like that, um, there's a lot more options. What you know. about, um, you know, on the producing side, you know, the software that you use and things like that? When did you get your fir- hands first on something real that wasn't Movie Maker? Um, so I, the era I'm from, we've kind of always been on the computer. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, the programs have definitely changed. I remember when I first tried to start making beats, it was on uh, Fruity Loops, mm-hmm. and uh, I could not for the life of me figure out how to make a beat on Fruity Loops and even GarageBand. Um, 
you know, now I'm on Ableton and um, I've actually always recorded on Pro Tools. It was just a much older version of I Pro Tools. I was kind of thinking Pro Tools yeah. has probably been there from the yeah. whole time. Um, so, yeah, so the, 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 the technology has mostly been the same, but yeah, definitely how people get the music has changed a lot since then. Hmm. Um, and the other thing I would say is... Um, you know, dealing with algorithms and, you know, that everyone loves that now. You know, it, it definitely felt different uploading stuff before. It almost felt like it was easier for people to find it, where now you got to figure out a, a gimmick or a trick or something to get people to pay attention or something. It's but. like you can do it wrong that has – it's a kind of wrong that has nothing to do with how talented you are. Right, right. <laughs> Which sucks. And, and <laughs> you know, it's another thing, and I kind of hate that I even – had to bring up the algorithm because it's something that bothers me that that's what it seems like so many conversations about art revolve around now. You know, people aren't talking about the art they're making. They're talking about how, how can I get it seen? Um, and you know, I just, I think it's especially, I think it's a bit of a shame that it's the artists talking about this. And you know, that's that the music business is a thing, you know, and people should talk about it, but I kind of feel like the artists Artists nowadays can't just be artists. You have to be your own manager and your own PR and your own A&R and you kind of got to do a little bit of everything. And And the truth is not every artist is going to be skilled in those fields. You know, sometimes they're just good at making the art. Exactly. So, yeah. What do you think about this new AI, generative AI uh, voice, you know, People make certain things like I've, I just heard the other day. It was like it's like Johnny Cash was doing a right. song by the Beach Boys, right? <laughs> um, you know, I I struggle with it. I can't help but kind of wince a little bit when I see that. Um, but you know, also coming from an era where a lot of things were streamlined, where because sometimes I even explain to people the studio and they're like, "Oh, so you guys are like pressing people's tapes and stuff?" I'm like, no, 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 not that at all. You've, you know, already, so, you've already benefited from a huge leap forward absolutely, in absolutely. technology. So, so I've had a lot of things streamlined for me in, in, in my era, but I really think that the human element is – I think that's everything with art. I, I, if, if I see AI art, it doesn't do anything for me um, because for me, it's not even the end product or the technique. It's that – it's human expression. I think that's what's most important about art. And I hope that with this AI art um, and AI just being incorporated in more things, I hope it just makes us look at fully human art better. Even if maybe it's fully human art we wouldn't have liked, um, I hope now we can just look at it on a scale of, well, it's, that's no AI involved. You know, that, that deserves some merit. Um, cause I think we're kind of already at that point where some people's art, AI is incorporated. So I love what you just said. Tara has something to say. Well, it's just, when you're talking about AI, AI and incorporating that into art, I mean, when you think of so many different things that we already do, so especially like hip hop, for example, right. right? Auto-tune modulation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's already, I know it's not artificial intelligence, but right. we're already altering that in a way that's beyond human ability. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think a computer will never be able to experience. I can say pretend that you experience, you know, if you right. ch- like chat uh, CPT and things like that, I can pretend and have it act as if you know this, but it will never truly know it. But I think that it does have the opportunity to enhance and make things better because what are we as humans, if not when we get rules, the 
thing we do best, I think, is break them, smash them, mm-hmm. and turn them into something else. So I have high hopes for that. Of course, we're going to get that run-of-the-mill, okay, AI generated this pop song for me, and that's that. But I think what humans will be able to do with this extra kind of technology through art will actually be astounding and not as disparaging, I think, as people are, or musicians, artists I keep seeing in interviews are trying to kind of paint it to be for the most part, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I've always thought, um, and I'm kind of out there, but whatever, um, uh, like a photograph on the wall or a painting or a song is evidence that art has occurred. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like the art was what brought that to your eyes eventually. And like you were saying, with AI, you know, that awesome, cool picture that blows your mind because it's so clever Mm -hmm. is evidence that an algorithm performed. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and and – and I I hope and I think that it can be used as a tool to, uh, you know, take away certain tedious parts of making the art. And I'm I'm all for that. That's fine. But I just definitely think that the human input, the human element. We were even talking about auto tune, but you still have to sing. And you can even sing bad into auto tune, where it's like, God, that sounds horrible. But then T Pain does, and it's like, well, that sounds great. So. Um, I just I just think as long as there's the human element, then then I'm okay with there being at least some AI. I think it's inevitable. Yeah. Um, but I just I just do worry um, that some people, um, it it might not matter to them if the art was made by a human or completely by AI. And I think that's what I worry about, especially as a musician, because you know people already you know have playlists that are you know, the algorithm picked for them. Now, with the future of AI, it can just see how you're feeling and just make something for you. Yeah. And just, this is what you want to hear. Yeah, custom tailored. Right, right. Where, you know, I also think that, you know, it's great if things are custom tailored for you, but I think one of the great things about art is when it can challenge your ideals or challenge how you look at things or challenge how you think about art. And I think if it's all algorithmically tailored to appeal to you, that also takes something out of art because sometimes art's supposed to make you uncomfortable or make you, you know, rethink things instead of just that makes perfect sense to me and I like it. Hmm. Um, so um, we're gonna do your third song, but real quick, two two concert questions. What's the most uh, impactful and memorable concert you've ever attended? Ooh, that's a good question. It. I might have to pick uh, Kendrick Lamar, Absol, and Schoolboy Q. Um, this was the first big hip-hop show I'd ever attended. Um, it was in Fort Lauderdale, and it was on Kendrick Lamar's Section 80 tour. Um, so he was still, he had a buzz, but he was still relatively unknown. I think it was probably less than 300 people in that building, which... It's probably impossible to like. You can't see Kendrick Lamar with that little of people today. It's right. just impossible. Um, and so that that was very pivotal for me. Not just because it was my first hip hop show, but to see the trajectory of those artists afterwards. Um, and yeah, and it, it was just a blast. I just I had so much fun, and that also I had already done my first show. But then to see a more professionally put on show and to see the crowd that was there for them and knew knew some of the words, 
um, it, it just let me know, like, yeah, this is where I belong. This is a lot of fun, and this is what I want to do. And um, if you could magically or eventually collaborate with mm. anyone out there, both Whew. in the studio and or share a stage with, who right. would it be? Oh, man, there there's really a lot of people um, – you know, it's funny. I keep bringing up Outcast, but I'm—I honestly, I've thought about this. I might be too intimidated to ever work with them. Yeah. Um, to be honest, but um, you know, there's there there's there's so many rappers. There's really a lot of producers. Um, Devin the Dude is one of my dream collabs. Um, he's a rapper from Texas, and I love Devin the Dude. Um, I think me and him could make a great song together. Um. Oh God! I mean, I I probably have a list somewhere, but honestly, um, I, I I I focus more on what I'm doing right now, and you know who I can work with that's within arm's reach. Um, but you know, I I do have a couple dream collabs that you know if it could happen, I'd love for it to happen. Sometimes you have to speak it into existence. That's true. That's absolutely said, true. So I gave you a chance to do that for sure. Um, all right, it's third song time. Yeah, so the third song, I already talked about it a little bit, but this is uh, I Bet I Got Some Weed by Schoolboy Q. And uh, are we talking about this song or are we? What's up to you? Yeah, all right, so I'm just going to jump right into it. You get to go. So this song, I picked this song specifically not just because um, of how important this song was and Schoolboy was to me because Schoolboy, Schoolboy and Kendrick, all of Top Dog Entertainment, they were in the early internet age of independent rappers. And, uh, you know, like even in like 2008, you know, capping off like kind of the MySpace era, there was MySpace rappers, but still what was dominating was ringtones and MTV and the radio. And it wasn't really until about 2010, 2011 that people were just like, well, here's my music on the internet. I'm not signed to anybody. And people were listening to it, buying it on iTunes. Um, so it was just really inspirational to see independent rappers from California in Florida pulling a crowd. And when Kendrick brought out Schoolboy Q to do I Bet I Got Some Weed, which funny enough, at the time, Schoolboy Q was just Kendrick Lamar's hype man. He wasn't really his own full solo act at the time. Um, so most people weren't there for him. And so when he was performing this, I was jumping up and down and rapping it word for word and to the point that he pointed me out, you know, and shouted me out. And people were people. I also noticed that people were turned around, not looking at him, but looking at me (laughs) and just being like, wow, how does this kid know? Why is he so in love with this? Um, And I think that also I probably didn't realize it in the moment. But looking back, I can see that I was supposed to be up on stage. You know what I mean? Um, and like I said, it didn't really necessarily click for me then, but it's just I was feeling the energy a little bit more than some of the people in the crowd. Um, and also, um, this song this song almost became a bit of an inside joke among my friends because it's kind of what they expected of me um, to always, you know, supply. Um, so, they you bet, know, they, they bet you had some weed. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they would, <laughs> people just assumed. Um, so, you know, this song just kind of spoke to me in a lot of ways. Um, and I just have a lot of different memories with it, which is funny cause you know, it is just a song about having some weed, you know, but, um, I think it's also a testament to how a song doesn't necessarily have to be about changing the world to change the world. 
um, or to connect with someone. Um, and I think that's what's important too is, you know, your song doesn't have to be a revolutionary song, but if it connects with someone and they can have fond memories with it, that is, that is, that's fulfillment as an artist, I think. Uh, it, it cheers to that. Um, that's what this show is all about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. This is John McCullough's third song today. This is I Bet I Got Some Weed, all strung together with a couple of lowercase letters uh, by <laughs> Schoolboy Q from his 2011 album Setbacks. This is three song stories. We call this biography through music. So you were like, what, 15, 16? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to picture you digging <laughs> on that and getting attention from him. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it, it, it probably was a little weird to him, too, to see, like, it was who probably is this cool little white kid? Hell? No, it yeah. probably was great. Probably was great, yeah. You have long hair yet? Yeah. I, I've, I, Yeah, I did have long hair at the time. I think it was a little bit after was the last time I ever cut it short. Um, but, yeah, from like from, like, fifth grade till... Like my sophomore year, I had long hair, and then I cut it, and then I grew it back out right after. Uh, what were you thinking about when you were listening to that here with us? Ah, man, it was taking me back to that time. Um, it's just that that beat and all. It just it for me, it's very just reminiscent of that era. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just it's just very early 2010s underground hip hop. It's just it 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 makes me feel great. When was the last time you listened to that song closely? Um, recently, recently, I did. I did go back and listen to all the songs that I included, just just to but, try to. But other than for this, oh, other show? than for this, that's a good question. It's probably 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 been a year or so. Um, How much of your day is spent listening to music? Almost all of it. Almost all of it, because if I'm not, I'm also. It's funny. I'm one of the only people at the studio that doesn't really get ear fatigue. Then again, I'm also one of the only people that's not an engineer. So, um, you know, but when I'm not making beats or listening to my own music, I'm listening to someone else's music. I very rarely drive in silence. Um, Sometimes that's nice, but usually I like to have music driving. Um, Always finding and listening to new music? Um or is that you know, slowed down some? It, you know, as I get older, <laughs> it has slowed down some. It's definitely not the same way. It takes in high a lot school. of effort to I mean, listen to songs you don't know. Absolutely, you know what I mean. And um, and you know, another thing is, you know, usually when people talk about back in my day or my day, they're usually I feel like referring to high school or early college. Um, and after a certain point, you can still appreciate stuff, but maybe it doesn't feel like. It's yours or from your time. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it just doesn't mean as much, um, even if, you know, you like it. But, um, but yeah. Hmm. Yeah. All right. You ready for a speed round? Let's do it. Um, when was the last time you purchased music that you could hold in your hand? It's a great question. Probably... Probably two or three years ago, I, I bought a CD at Beach Records, local local record store that I also perform at sometimes. Yeah. Martin. Yeah, Marty. Yeah. yeah Marty. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, do you have a nickname that has stuck over the course of your life that isn't one of your stage names that you'd be willing to share? 
Um, you got my, a, there's a grin. I see a grin. My, my family <laughs> nickname and and regrettably some of my friends even discovered it um, was Bug. 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 Yeah. There you go. Be proud about that. Yeah. No, it's 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 nice. Uh, do you do karaoke? I do. Yeah? Yes. What do you do? Um, do you throw out something totally different than what you yeah, do? Yeah, I don't ever do hip, a hip-hop song for karaoke. I mean, I have. Um, my my friend Mike, uh, Casting Spells, who I mentioned earlier, who's in New York, um, we we go to we go to karaoke up there sometimes um, in, like, Koreatown. Um, Where nobody you know will be. It's it's a lot. Of, well, <laughs> over there, the way they do it, it's really cool. You like rent a room. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so when when we do that, and we're there for like a few hours, I'll do some hip hop songs. But if I'm just out at a bar, I'm probably just picking a song from Sade, or maybe maybe I do something like Kid Cudi. You know, some more melodic, more kind of singing. But I try to I try to sing. And like I said, I don't sing very well. But I feel like that's the point of karaoke. Um, and I just go up there and have fun. Um, I like karaoke because it's like a, for me, I'm sure maybe it's not the case for other people, but for me, it's like a stress-free performance. Hmm. It's like, oh yeah, I can get up there, but I don't have to worry about it. If you're stressing about it, you're doing it wrong. Right, right. Um, if you were a championship wrestler, what music would you enter to? Wow. Great question. Um, three, six mafia. Yeah. Probably. Probably tear the club up. Okay. What would your wrestler name be? Um, oh, God, that's a great one. The Foolish Duke. The Foolish Duke. Yeah. If you had to guess, what song would you say you've listened to the most times in your life? Ooh, interesting, interesting. Um, wow. It... It probably is an outcast song. It it really probably is. Because like I said, it was some of my earliest music, and I still listen to it often. Um, God, that's tough. Oh, man. Oh, God. It's supposed to be a speed round. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't want to pick Roses. Um, you know, I'm going to go ahead and actually say it's probably... It's actually probably Don't Kill My Vibe by Kendrick Lamar because I do remember for a long time that was like like on the iTunes counter. It used to count how many times you'd right. play a song. That was like up at the top for a very long time. Um, so, And I've listened to it many times outside of on iTunes. So, And, and you know, like um, kids these days, right. um, they may have actual data. Yeah, they might actually... Like some kid being born now, like when they're 40, they may like have a a whole thing that's in their heads up display. That's so true. Uh, (laughs) um, uh, Song you wish you could hear again for the first time ever. That's a good one. Um, Wow. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say... I'm going to say Blessed by Schoolboy Q. Yeah, that that is, a, that is an amazing song. Any songs you'll avoid listening to? Oh, man. You know, any songs I avoid listening to? Um, there's lots of music I don't care for. Um, there's even some songs that 
I love, but I can't listen to because they make me cry every time. Um, one of those is um, Yesterday by Big Crit. It's about his grandmother. And I love that song. I adore that song. I think it's a great song. But every time, no matter what, if I listen to it, I'm crying. So sometimes when it comes up on shuffle, I just have to skip it. Um, but I will say music, crying to music is actually probably when I feel the most comfortable crying. Um, so. Hmm. If you ever have to be in a play and you have to cry on stage, you can just listen to that song. Yeah, words. for sure. Like a little tool. Yeah. Um, if you could broadcast a song into the head of all humans in one collective moment, and I'm going to give you the option of picking one of your own songs. Okay. Would you do that? Or if not, what song would you choose? Maybe List of Demands by Saul Williams. Um, Saul Williams is one of my favorite artists. Um, and List of Demands is a uh, maybe similar to War by Bob Marley. It's a... It's a it's a protest song. It's a rebellious song, but it's it's very fun musically too. Um, and I think I think Saul Williams has a lot of great messages for people, um, and I think a lot of them are in that song. Last question before we have you recommend your three people. What would your fourteen year old self, who I guess would be just getting into right. rapping with? Jeffrey and Herbie, uh, think of yourself today and the things you've done in the intervening however many years. Um, yeah, my 14-year-old self would honestly not be able to believe all of this. Um, you know, all, all the shows I've done with artists I looked up to, the fact that I've worked with some of those artists, having a studio, which is also something I never really expected to have happen. Um, yeah, I... I, I, I Honestly, wouldn't be able to believe it. If if you'd showed fourteen year old me the future, I would say no. You that's a that's someone else. You, that's not. Um, but I would also think I'm like the coolest guy ever. That's a great answer. <laughs> we can only all be so lucky. Right. Um, okay, it's time to recommend three people who you'll share this with that you For think sure. we could get on. So um, I think Ainsley would be great. Um, she's a singer. She's definitely going to be checking this out. Um, my buddy Angel, OG Baby, that's the owner of Trackout Studios. Um, he would probably be great for this. I'll definitely be sharing it to him. And this one might have to be remote, but um, Sherelle. I got to give Sherelle a shout out. She's a rapper from the area. She's in L.A. now, but um, I, I she she appreciates music on a very deep level, and I think she'd have a lot of great answers for this. Cool. So, well, you've done it. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You and I have you crossed too. paths maybe yes. a half dozen times over the last ten. Oh, my years. dad says hi. By the way, uh, well, hi, know. hi, uh, hi, dad. Yes. Um, but it's been nice to actually get to know you. Yeah, which you too. is what's cool about this. Um, any final thoughts you want to leave us with? Um, I just love that you guys are doing this. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I think this is a super fun format i've i've enjoyed listening to some of these episodes before and you know this is and i know not everyone you get is a musician and that's great but this is almost what musicians really want to talk about in every interview you know like they don't want to talk about their release date and you know blah 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 who's on the album they want to talk about music so this is fun awesome thank you thank you 
We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is host and online content producer. Our production assistant is Jared Gonzalez. Christophus is executive producer. And our theme song was created by Dave 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 Callen and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. This week's parting tune is Kid Quest's song, Never Hesitate, produced by Bushido of DLC and 239 native Kevin Rios. I, I never hesitate. That's how chances get away. Never hesitate. That's how you get second place. Never hesitate. Say just what you meant to say. Never hesitate. Chase your dreams every day. Uh, never hesitate. That's how chances get away. Uh, yeah. Never hesitate. That's how you get second place. Yeah, yeah. Never hesitate. Say just what you meant to say. Yeah, yeah. Never hesitate. Chase your dreams every day. Yeah, yeah. You can make it happen today. I promise that you don't have to wait. It's inside of your brain. Just get out of your way. Give yourself a little space. Remove yourself from the hate. I know you know exactly just what you should say Nobody's work is perfect first you chisel away And sometimes it will reveal itself along the way Remember back in the day when they laughed and they hated But I knew I'd be great, I didn't have to state it And it wouldn't be this way if I just sat and I waited Had to put the work in first, that's just how I was raised Thanks to my dad I have patience and for that Never hesitate, that's how chances get away Never hesitate, that's how you get second place Never hesitate, say just what you meant to say Never hesitate, chase your dreams every day uh, Never hesitate, that's how chances get away uh, yeah. Never hesitate, that's how you get second place uh, yeah. Never hesitate, say just what you meant to say uh, yeah. Never hesitate your dreams every day, yeah, yeah. Keep listening.